Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. And for more than 10 years with SNN, I've been doing interviews with microcap management teams at investor conferences globally, as well as online. Our SNN Live CEO video interviews are meant to pique interest, and then one can discover more by going to that company website. But personally, I always have more questions I want to ask. On this show, I'll be chatting with public company executives from microcap companies, and we'll dive deeper into companies that are rarely profiled. Microcap traditionally is overlooked, unloved, and absolutely never featured on legacy financial media outlets unless something material is going on that's a good story. With my experience interviewing management teams, having interviewed most of them before, I've built up a network of companies, so there will be no shortage of content. Furthermore, this is an opportunity for me to showcase some of the qualitative lessons I've learned from guests on the Planet Microcap podcast. You can expect high-quality interviews with management teams that may have exposure to broader macro trends that you may never have thought of, one of the many reasons why I love the microcap space. So if you love microcaps and especially love learning about companies before the professionals do, let's start our due diligence. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. My guest on the show today is Cameron Reynolds, president and CEO of Volition RX Limited, publicly traded company. The symbol is VNRX on the NYSE American. Volition is a multinational epigenetics company that applies its nucleosomics platform through its subsidiaries to develop blood tests to help diagnose and monitor a range of life-altering diseases, including some cancers and diseases associated with netosis, such as sepsis and COVID-19. While the company has primarily been focused on human diagnostics and monitoring, it also has a subsidiary focused on animal diagnostics and monitoring. Even though Volition's animal diagnostics and monitoring subsidiary is relatively new, the company recently announced a $28 million deal with Heska Corporation for their low-cost animal cancer screening and monitoring tests. I've known Volition for a long time and wanted to chat with Cameron about animal diagnostics and monitoring subsidiary, how the subsidiary fits with Volition's strategy moving forward, current status on their clinical trials for their blood tests, and what Cameron thinks about the potential for their Natosis product. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Cameron Reynolds, President and CEO of Volition RX. Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And joining me today is Cameron Reynolds. He is the President and CEO of Volition RX Limited. It's a publicly traded company. The symbol is VNRX on the NYSE American. Cameron? Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on. Now, for full disclosure, Volition has been participants at, at our, many of our events over the years. I'm, you know, I've been following the company for a long time. And so, you know, but the funniest part is this is actually my first, this is our first time doing an interview together. 
which is hilarious. I see you present forever. I feel like we're 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 mishpucha at this point, but but uh, <laughs> but I, pre- I appreciate it again. So let, I want to start off. You know, for those that aren't familiar with the story, and and I know there's some my audience. They've like I said, Volition has been in a lot of events. We've done a lot a lot of, of of IR work. But you know, from your perspective, what, what would you say is that one line that best describes? volition today um one line that's a <laughs> i like to talk so one line can be tough but um we're a very innovative epigenetics company that is now launching a range of products it's probably how, how i would describe us today got it and, and as one of the founders of the company in back in 2010 what would you say was the original problem volition rx was trying to solve and how has that evolved or changed over time um, we've always been looking at the same epigenetic markers. Uh, epigenetics means above genetics, so it's what's the, the what can be read from the DNA. Um, so we developed a platform, and it's taken some time. It's it's a, a very very exciting cutting edge area. But I think what made us different was uh, we're looking at very very unique novel markers, but with a very long standing platform. So that really makes us a platform of platforms. So we. Um, what we can do with this, looking for what we look for, for many different things. So we started uh, just in the cancer space, but um, cancer diagnostic, and we're, what we're filling is a truly routine blood test. Now, you might say, what's routine? What does it actually mean? Routine just means you sit in the doctor's office and they tick an extra box with all the other things you do. So that really comes with a low price, you know, in, in the tens or low hundreds of dollars. Um, and a small amount of blood and can be run anywhere. So, um, and, and the markers we're after, the epigenetic markers, can absolutely be a very good early sign of cancer. How we've changed, um, purely during the pandemic, and uh, we thought the lockdowns might last a few months and <laughs> into the third year, so that we changed tack a little bit just to use the same platform. Um, we're very serious about cancer in humans, but we decided to... Uh, transition to the dog cancers, same platform, same test. It's really quite remarkable. And on Natosis, two things that we could do during the pandemic with our fantastic proprietary platform. So we're doing the same thing, but we're just using the platform in different ways. Um, you know, in these, these times, you've got to adapt and do what's best at the time. Um, so we've exactly the same idea, exactly the same platform, but we've really learned to adapt and, and do the best thing we can at the time. Got it. And we'll, we'll dig into that in a, in a second on the technology the platform where we're at today. But, you know, what, what was your background prior to, to founding Volition RX? Um, I, yeah, it's a good question. I'm Australian. Um, my accent's not as strong as it once was, but uh, I still talk too fast, but that's, uh, that's not my accent. Um, I've traveled the world a lot. Uh, I've lived in quite a few countries, including the US, uh, including Canada, uh, <clears throat> through Europe and through Asia. Uh, working on a lot of different entrepreneurial uh, businesses. I find people and projects fascinating and, and uh, I've worked in, in industries as varied as life sciences, like now, like in the 90s when we we're commercializing cloning, believe it or not, uh, of mice. Um, and also the, um, being Australian, you kind of got to do some mining projects. Um, that's just what we are. So, um, so my background is, is entrepreneurial. My education is, is a finance and MBA degree. Um, but I find different new projects are different. I really like to look for things which perhaps um, 
you know, I think there's a real herd mentality in a lot of areas, and everyone kind of does what everyone else does. Um, when when volition came along, I just thought, wow, this is something which is really unique. I've not worked in this space before, but I think fresh eyes and and uh, really good people who know what they're doing on the on the technical side put together is a really good combination. So I guess that's kind of what I do. I I really believe a company's about its people. It's funny. I've said this a few times, but you think when you're young. You kind of say it because you believe it, you know, you think, oh, people are important, but you know, I'm 51 now, I've done this for 30 years, it really comes down to the team. So um, my background really has been trying to find something really good, innovative to run with and put together a great team and really stick to quality and, and getting getting it done as well as you can. Absolutely. And I really appreciate that. I mean, look, I'm sure over the years, everyone's like, wait, you're not an MD, you don't have an R&D, you don't come from big pharma, any... And and now here you are running, you know, a diagnostics company, you know, huh? I'm sure that's been one of, I mean, how often was that asked to you? I'm sure almost every event. And fair enough, you know, but I, but I think actually, if you understand people, you understand the business, most businesses are actually quite, you know, uh, at their heart, quite simple. There's a lot of very complicated things, which you need very smart people to know what they're doing to do. But the basic business strategy in the process is actually reasonably similar. Um, so yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think I mean every I'm, I'm sure every CEO says, oh, our company's undervalued, and and I understand why we're valued why we are. You know, we're doing something very different. We're in a very innovative space. Um, we've taken time to develop this fantastic platform, and uh, and I think yeah, I'm not uh, someone who's uh, 30 years of farmer experience from a big company. It's funny. I've worked with a lot of people in in startups and a lot of different companies. It's very, very hard to make a big company, small company switch. Um, and particularly, I'm talking about from big companies to small companies. It's a very different attitude, a very different uh, process. Um, you really got to have a whole different mindset. Uh, um, you know, we started Volition just with the three of us in my lounge room in London and uh, to grow that to a company, um, which also means I think I'd probably make <laughs> very bad for a very massive pharma company, you know, one of the one of the companies where you've been starting in your entire career in the same company. But I think that entrepreneurial edge, asking the right questions, believing the right people. And, and I think you've got to have an inner belief in what you're doing because um, everyone tries to push you one way or the other, launch products when, you should, when you're not ready. And also, you know, you ask the question, it's funny, you get asked that question a lot. If this is so good, why isn't someone else doing it? I, I won't mention the big company names, we all know them. But I, I think the, the, I would always put that around. It, why is it? It doesn't matter. You know, the, the truth, well, alive. It's not alive. It repeated a thousand times. It's still not true. You know, just got to think the basics. You know, and, and in our space, um, it was uh, in the cancer detection. It was circulating tumor cells. When we started, everyone said all the big money's with all the big companies doing all the circulating tumor cells. And uh, the question I had with Volition was not. Uh, was basically, is it correct? Not who who else does it. Is it the process? Is it correct? And that really should be the the ultimate aim. And um, and have have fifty people tried and failed, or has no one really tried? And doing what we're doing, no one has really tried. Which to me seems a reason to do it if it makes sense. And you know, I, I've sat through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meetings with uh, team members, like our scientific team, with the smartest people in the space who have two PhDs and an MD and all those other things. And not one single one of them has ever had a reason this is not going to work. Um, But, you know, they all say, well, look, circulating tumor cells. And in the last seven years, it's all been DNA, genetics. 
But it's funny, our scientific team said things which made perfect sense to me. And I, I, you'd have to say they've absolutely been proven correct. It, it, those markers, the circulating tumor cells, DNA, fantastic. But if, if there's not very much of it there, and you might only have eight events in your entire bloodstream, um, so that's why they have to take huge amounts of blood from you. You're looking, it doesn't matter how much supercomputing and whiz bang and great papers and uh, everyone agrees with you. If it's not there in, in quantity, you're not going to find it. And, um, and that's exactly what's happened. Um, epigenetics, it's, it's really changed in the last two years. It was almost, it was funny, uh, even a couple of years ago, you know, like, oh, epigenetics, that's cute. You know, we're genetics companies, we're going to have solved world, world hunger and peace and um, and every single one of them has now uh, really shifted their focus to epigenetics. And, um, and I, so I think counterintuitively, and if you look at a lot of the companies where people have started up something that's kind of done something different and broken through, it's people who really came with fresh eyes on the whole question and really asked the right questions. So I certainly hope that's where we are, and I think we're on the verge of proving that now. I think the claims made to me by a chief scientist in 2010 were probably grossly underestimating the power of what we're doing. Absolutely. No, you, you brought up a couple of things, a couple of rabbit holes I wanted to go down. I mean, and let, let's go there first. I mean, I, I know probably some folks are listening and like, I still not sure exactly what uh, the company's up to, but we'll, we'll get there. I promise. I just, there's two things I had to follow up right now. And, you know, having the background that you do, you know, not, not in the healthcare tech side of things. How did you get to a point where you knew like, okay, I trust the, the scientists that I'm working with and with what they're saying and telling me that I'm now with full confidence, you know, I, I feel confident in relaying that message now to potential investors, to my, you know, to folks who are like me that don't have that technical background. That's probably, that was probably a big learning curve for you, I would assume. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, you know, I achieved scientists, Jake and Mark, both very good pedigree in the field. I mean, Jake's the first person to explain it to me. He worked for the World Health Organization uh, for, for decades and also uh, for the NHS, the National Health System in the UK. It actually comes to, it's, I mean, it's complicated, but it's simple. Are they there? Are they different? Can you measure them? I mean, you know, I was also involved in mining. Mining actually is kind of simple and basic. Is, it, is there enough of it there? Can you make a profit pulling it out and shipping it out? It's actually the simple questions which you ask. Uh, and so the basic question, are nuclear weapons there? 100%, I mean, it's a fact. Uh, are they measurable? Um, yes. I mean, we had the, the first simple assays we made from uh, ELISA, E-L-I-S-A is the platform, which is at its heart just two antibodies. Um, is there anything else out there which could be better than it? I think what we will really dominate is the, the, the value end of the market, if you will. You know, I, I think the complicated companies will get there. If you put enough markers together and enough platforms together, you're going to get something which works. But you're looking at just outrageous costs and, and, and complexity compared to what we do. Oh. Um, I mean, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 times the cost. So how do I, so I answer the question? It's, it's, it's intuition. It's the process. You believe in the people. You believe in the, pro you know, and, and you look at it. And, and so you ask, you see them talking to people who really know what they're talking about um, in, in the technical sense and just make, and make a judgment. I mean, I had to be pretty certain. I've spent my entire 40s doing this. There's many things I could have been doing apart from this. Um, but um, I think, you know, you've got to be committed, you've got to stick to it, and, and, but you've got to evaluate as well. You can't just be a zealot that this is going to work and no matter what else. Um, but there's never been a point where anyone's shown any, any uh, evidence this is not going to work. Um, now, you've obviously got to, there's a lot of two steps forward, one's, one back, one sideways when you're developing a, 
an entirely new epigenetic platform, but you've got to have that strong inner core and the belief, but you've also got to, it sounds counterintuitive or, or contradictory, but you've also kind of got to accept that you've got to listen and, and see if there's any, 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 any showstoppers, but there really, there really haven't been. So it's a mixture of both of those, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, but you've got to keep a finger on the pulse of both of them. No, I, I got you. All right. All right. So let's, let's dive deeper into the business itself. You know, um, yeah. so let, let's start with the with the technology, with the platform. You know, can you can you describe Volitions? It's it's called Nucleosomics Platform, correct? Right. So can can you describe it a little bit? How how in theory it's supposed to work, and then what is the company's current focus right now? Absolutely. So as I said, there's genetics, which is your DNA, and the epigenetics, which is what can be read from the DNA. Sounds complicated, but again, there's simple ways of, of understanding it. Think of it this way, the, the hardware, like your, your computer, <coughs> is the DNA, it's the, the, the record, and the epigenetics is the software, what's run from it in the process. So both are very important, and, and the industry's really, really been focusing on the on the, on the uh, DNA because that was, you know, probably know the genome was sequenced, and, you know, and, and it's important. I mean, no one's going to say it's not important, but the epigenetics has been overlooked. So one of the biggest epigenetic markers, and <coughs> the important one is, if you unravel the DNA every 200 base pairs, there's a nucleosome. So there's about 20 million in each cell. And these are complicated switching mechanisms of hundreds of different uh, histones, histone modifications, which control what can be read where and when and how. And it's all wound up tightly, so it only opens for bits that are supposed to be read. So it's, it's amazing, the entire, uh, and it's actually, it's quite remarkable, logistically or spiritually or scientifically, whatever whatever your, uh, your predicates is. Um, I mean, we have the same DNA as dogs, yeast. Uh, I mean, a huge amount of living things. It's unbelievable. So it's a basic building block of life. So, um, so for example, if, if another analogy, the DNA is the map and the uh, of the city, for example, and your epigenetics decides what's built when, what's torn down. So obviously, both important in, in, in your system. So, uh, how does that work diagnostically? So. The, just let's look at cancer, our, our primary focus uh, early on, and, and one of our major focuses now. Um, obviously, the, uh, it, it, the epigenetic changes are the, the first start of the genesis of the cancer. Uh, very simplistically, it's reproduce, 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 you know, and when uh, obviously that can be problematic. Um, so there's different <clears throat> histone modifications, uh, histone uh, signaling on, on your epigenetic structure on the nucleosomes uh, in the cell. But quite clearly, you're not going to give biopsies to every cell in your body, to every organ in your body looking for a cancer, so it's not a diagnostic. But what happens is when, the, when cells die, the body cuts up the chromatin into nucleosome-sized chunks. To, I mean, again, 150, 200 base pairs of DNA with a large protein structure to be reprocessed. So when you have cancer and a range of other things, which I can get to later, you have a lot more of these circulating in your blood. But the secret source is not just more of them, they have these different switching signals on them, which can be read very, very simply and cheaply with two antibodies. One grabs hold of the nucleosome, the other marks whatever marker is more or less common. And uh, that's the heart of, of epigenetic signaling, which we go for. And it has a huge amount of information, but it, it can be a very democratic, very open product because it's on a very open platform. And our cost of goods, given it's just a few antibodies, uh, can come down to a few dollars per test. So can be tremendously profitable even you know, at a very, very acceptable price point, even in the developing world. So very, very exciting. And that's where we started. And I guess we'll go on to the vet space and the toe system capture and everything else. But um, 
once you can once you can really measurably, reproducibly, and robustly measure these very quickly on a simple platform, it opens up a, a plethora of, of options, all of which are under our intellectual property. Right, and and, and so you you alluded to the second part of that question was, um, you know, what's the company's focus right now? So it's really oh, sorry, focus. Yep, right. sorry, okay, yeah. So the focus the focus was up until twenty twenty to get the platform stable because it, it doesn't matter how all the other things you can do with the platform if it's not reproducible. Reproducible means you get the same result today, tomorrow in one lab here, a lab in Connecticut, a lab in Italy, a lab in China. And that's extremely important for a lot of very obvious reasons. You want to make sure you're measuring what you are measuring. And we had to go through a tremendous amount of work um, with the antibodies, with the controls. This facility, which is obviously the fake background, this facility is our facility in Belgium. We had to get 20,000 square foot. And this is, has now 65 people in this one building down the road, just going through the basics of making sure it works really well, because that's absolutely crucial and, a lot of and on a lot of platforms. So what's the focus? So coming into 2020, we were just in the process of launching our first human cancer product. Again, differential there is, is huge. It can be a normal test just to drop a blood. After Theranos, it's tough saying a drop of blood, but we really are a drop of blood. Um, so I have to say it. Um, and, uh, and it can be run in any lab and it's low cost. Uh, then I guess February of 2020 came along. We thought, oh, we'll have a few months to work on something else. We said, that's two years, but the trials in the US were paused. It's very tough to get someone to go in a hospital a lot during the pandemic, which makes sense for a trial. And uh, so anyway, so we thought, well, let's just, uh, that been paused on us. So let's just use this time. So we just signed a deal with Texas A&M, one of the world's best vet schools. Um, they came to us and through the balloon region and said, you know, uh, the, the, the problem in animals is even worse than in humans. There's, all, there's nothing which really works for detecting cancer in animals. And I think like everyone, and probably you too, uh, you thought, wow, is this a bit of a sideline? Uh, what is this? Is it a distraction? It's exactly the same as the, this is the absolute genius of our platform. We sent the human kits. Actually, the joke was we're the first company to do a human trials for a vet launch for animal product. But anyway, um, and uh, it worked absolutely brilliantly, particularly on two very important uh, dog cancers, hemangiosarcoma and lymphoma, which make up about a third of... Uh, cancers in dogs. So I guess you have a question on the vet side in a bit. And then um, it also became very apparent what uh, kills you in a very wide range of conditions, including COVID, which is you know coming and hopefully going, um, but things which are, are tragically with us all day, every day, things like sepsis, which is the biggest killer in hospitals, uh, heart attack, strokes, are very strongly driven by mitosis. Again, how does that, <laughs> you're a cancer company, What's what the hell is this, what are you doing? Exactly the same platform. So we don't measure cancer, we measure the chromatin fragments. We don't measure COVID or sepsis or any of those other things, we measure the chromatin fragments, the nucleosomes. So it turns out your body's primary defense mechanism um, is something called a net, I'll go through all that later, and that's, that's made up of what we measure. So uh, it's a very good to know what that looks like, uh, a whole lot of reasons. So we're focused on mitosis and that could easily be bigger than uh, all the things we have put together. Um, so the focus is, is really on generating revenue from our platform. So we've, we've made a big vet team, launched the first product, had a fantastic deal we announced last week, and um, our first deal, which we'll get to. We're in the process now of getting regulatory approval for our mitosis product. And of course, we're very serious about the human cancers, um, but um, that's sort of 
been in the process because of the, the pandemic and the lockdowns, it was tough to do the trials. So uh, the focus has always been on the quality of the platform to make sure it really works. And now we've done the hard yards, got it working really well. It's on lots of different platforms. And what does that mean, different platforms? It means you can do a, we're working on a, a pinprick for a, a point of care, like a pregnancy test, um, microtiter plates, which can be run in any lab, big machines, small machines. So the idea is it just becomes part of your normal blood work for a whole lot of things, which would then make us uh, tremendously useful to save a huge amount of lives and uh, hopefully also for our shareholders, uh, make a, a very, very profitable company. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I can really appreciate having to do the pivot in a sense. And, and, it's not, and it's not really a true pivot because you are working on all the same stuff you've been working on for years, but now going into this commercial stage where I think let's get into that because that, that was a huge deal um, where uh, the, the company uh, just, you know, you guys, you guys announced it was a $28 million deal with Heska um, for basically um, sorry, I'm just going for my notes, but it, I think it, it, from there, it said about you, the company expects to be selling millions of tests per year in a few years and that the company will get $10 per test at a 90% margin vis-a-vis this deal. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of those deal details, but I think it's important to go through that now because I think that showcases what the commercial strategy really looks like for the, the new Q uh, vet cancer test product, right? Yeah, so Hesk is a great company. Um, and like oh, they're further progressed, they're a bit multi-billion, one to $2 billion company, they're further down the road. Uh, really well run, really high growth. And they're entrepreneurial as well. They've realized that the, the cancer market in, in dogs, cat, all animals, is basically zero. Uh, there was another competitor that came to the market very recently, PetDX, that has that complicated, expensive test, which, you know, good luck to them, but it's, it's a different uh, offering than what we do. Um, so Hesco was very keen. Uh, their whole thing is point of care. So uh, they have a machine which can be put into vets' offices, and, and they, that, that's how they're they see and, and i think they're probably uh, right um that the point of care is going to grow um it's roughly 20 percent now to grow to become the majority of the market over time and they want to be a big part of that so a very good way for them to do that is off our offer our test now you're probably familiar uh cancer in dogs is just really rampant for, for several reasons they're very inbred so um you know pure breeds are, are very very inbred so cancer is very uh common also it's two to three times more uh, more dog cancers every year than human cancers. So how's that? There's like you know, one quarter of the dogs is humans. They get cancer at eight years old, nine years old, not 90 or 80 or 70. So obviously if you take the life years, it all makes sense. So there's just nothing. And we spend a lot of money on our pets actually. Um, most dogs go to the, uh, the dogs are getting to the age where they get cancer, like in seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, or risky breeds. Um, so, and so at the price of our tests, is, is really nothing compared to all the things that they're currently. Um, uh, Hesk is looking to retail to the pet owner for $50 or less. That's a huge breakthrough. There's just nothing out there whatsoever which works in dogs. Um, so if you suspect the dog of having cancer, you have to do things like a scan. Now, uh, you're probably familiar with scans in humans, but dogs obviously can't be told to still stay still. So you've got to sedate them. Uh, and also, uh, during the pandemic, we're getting closer and closer to our dogs, we're getting more of them, and we're spending more and more money on them. So it's a perfect time to be in the vet market. And I think we can really help save a lot of money for owners, we can help save a lot of lives of dogs, 
Um, and again, uh, millions, I, I think, probably, hopefully an underestimation. If you look at, uh, I mean, there's about a half a billion pet dogs in the world. In the US, there's about 70, 80, 90 million, depending on who you believe, and about 22 million are the age. And you would do it part of the wellness tests up to twice a year, again, 50 bucks. You know, it's not something which is out of most people's reach. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's just an absolutely fantastic test for all those reasons. So um, in that example, if, if, if it's done in a centralized lab, yes, uh, under the HESCA deal, we get about $10. Um, HESCA gets about half of that, so 25. So we get about 40% of the price that, that goes there from, from, the lab one, from the lab version. And, um, and the vets, you know, put about the same one again. So I think we're getting a very good share of the revenue. And we're doing that. And, and uh, I think why it's such a great deal for Hesker, it's a great reason for people to use Hesker's platform because it's a differential product, which no one else can do on point of care. So that, which is why they've given us a large amount of money so they can be exclusively for the point of care. Now that does leave open for us central labs, um, the big companies in the US, um, we're negotiating with now as well to launch in the centralized labs and we expect them uh, Hopefully, you've been out soon. Um, so, what we want to be uh, is somewhere where any vet can just tick a box or use Hesker's machine um, or, or any other point of care Hesker want to launch to really test their dog to see. And then, of course, uh, cats have exactly the same um, nucleosome. So, a very plausible we're launching a, a product. So, those $10 million we've already got, which is a, we only burn a few million a month, and we're becoming this makes us profitable in Q1. So, it's a a very good start. How it's in the 28 million, it's kind of sandbagging the revenue. It's about 60% of our expected burn over the next two years. Um, plus, you know, it'll take some time for them to finish the adaptation and launch the product. But as that sort of tapers off, that those 28 millions come to us, the revenue should really be, be spiking up on, on, the, um, on the other front. So it's a really good deal for them. I think it's great for ESCA because it'll really provide a great differential for their for their offering on the point of care. And it's great for us because it really shows they've done a huge amount of due diligence as have all the other pet companies, intellectual property, the process. And um, the, the vet cancers are, are almost exactly the same. We got almost exactly the same results in human blood cancers as if we did in the dog blood cancers. So it, it's a great start <laughs> for a whole lot of reasons. For sure. I mean, I was going to say is that, I mean, when in some of the other conversations that you mentioned, that you've been talking about with some of some of the labs that it sounds like are also looking at at NuQ, was this deal quite validating for even their due diligence process and wanting to to work with you guys? Yeah, I mean they go through everything. Sure, I mean obviously they're going to test the science. No, they do. Oh, but, but, I mean, but this is a big deal. Let's let's be frank. Yeah, it is, and you know if I did got anything wrong, and I did get wrong timing, you know they go through a really long due diligence. I mean they want marketing. They want to make sure it. Well, no one knows it's definitely going to sell millions of tests, but none of them are going to do it unless they think you can sell three, four, five, ten million tests each. I mean, they're not going to do this as a marginal product. And Hesk is certainly not going to give us $28 million if it's going to sell a few hundred thousand tests a year, you know, if that's their expectation. So they've got to do the marketing, they've got to do uh, the product work, they've got to do the stability, they've got to do the intellectual property, um, and they've got to do the market to make sure that this is, and, you know, I, I think it's a fantastic validation. And, and I think we will have other deals, which just keeps keeps all that um, incredibly exciting for, for what we do and validates the platform in VET, which then should validate it for other animals, should validate it also for the human cancers. And then you pile in all the other stuff we're doing on top of that. Um, it's going to be a really exciting few years. I think we're really on a good course now. All right. Well, I'm not going to end the interview just yet. I still got a whole bunch of other questions. Okay. <laughs> 
So I appreciate that, man. So tell me, tell me about how, what, what new, new Q is replacing in essence, you know, what, what does that competitive landscape look like? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but I, I kind of want to get a better picture about, you know, are, is this displacing some of the, the bigger players in, in vet right now? You know, lo- love to hear some more color there. So new Q vet. Uh, replacing absolutely nothing. Um, no, certainly not in the, in the biomarker market. There is nothing which detects cancer in dogs in a, in a truly routine test. Now, as I said, there's some complicated tests which are just coming launch now. But uh, in the human space, there are some markers. <clears throat> I don't know if you're familiar with them, but CEA, PSA, main kernel, those kind of things don't work very well, but they are low cost alizes. Um, and, you know, why is PSA used all the time? No doctor has ever waxes lyrical about how good it is or how accurate. They use it because it's a low cost. They, they can tick a box and, and, it, and it can be quite useful over a period of time. But, you know, uh, in the human space, there are some low cost markers which have you know, been around forever and don't work great, don't work very well. But in the vet space, none of those markers work. So we're not replacing anything whatsoever. Um, well, apart from very frustrated vets and owners, you know, because often you have to, have to spend a fortune on scanning or other, other tests. Uh, and, you know, it is or it isn't, and there's not much they can do. Because if you think about it, um, animals, this sounds obvious, but you don't think about it until you think about it. A, a dog is not going to tell you it's feeling sick, um, and if you're not really noticing, it can be quite late-stage cancer, so it's quite tragic. Uh, and, uh, well, either you have to spend a lot of money, which probably doesn't work because late-stage cancer is, is horrible um, to treat. Um, so it's horrible for the dog, it's horrible for the owner. So um, I, I think all we are providing is something really good and new. There's absolutely nothing out there whatsoever to completely, which is, again, why I think it's been a great uh, new use for our platform while we were waiting for the pandemics and trials to start up again. Um, I mean, it's just, I can just see no downside. It's, we're not replacing anything. There's nothing that works. We can provide a very low cost offering. We make a lot of uh, good margin with it. Uh, it's millions and millions of tests. Um, I think at least, I mean, it's certainly certainly not impossible. It could be in, in a few years' time, 10 million tests a year uh, or more, uh, particularly when you add in all the other animals and stuff, even more than that. So uh, it's, it's, it's a validation of our platform and it shows we can commercialise. You know, we've really broadened the team. Uh, Dr. Tom Butera has come on the vet side uh, quite recently. He was a, a very uh, industry legend, stupid word, but certainly very well-known, um, very well-respected uh, and uh, had his own set of vet hospitals. He also worked for uh, Antec, which is part of Mars Group, the biggest pet company in the world. And he left the biggest pet company in a very good role in, in business development and came to Volition to run our program. And that also, I thought, was a great validation um, because what we do well as a platform, and, what, and this is going to be a model we use on the other commercializations, we hire a good team, but we never want to become the sales team. We never want to become the lab. We never all those things so we can grow almost as fast as a software company because we, we can um, all these companies have large drain pipes of, of sales teams and marketing teams and, and labs to run the tests being an ELISA we need to do none of that I mean if you look at exact sciences which is the human space for colorectal cancer they have to have a massive facility in uh, in the US Minnesota um, because it's a test which you poop in a box and send it in and so it's got to be done in a centralized lab it's, Quite a complicated test. Where, you know, so you have to have a large sales force. You have to have a large lab. Therefore, a huge burn rate. We don't need any of that, and we're never going to need any of that. We're never going to. Uh, what we've done is develop a platform. Now we're going to be using it. 
So the model we use for nets and the human cancers now, it's worked so well on the vet, find a few very good industry people, put together a commercialization team. Now we're always going to produce the key components ourselves because that's what we do. The Silver One facility, which is just down the road from here, down there. Um, again, 8,000 square foot, but we can manufacture everything we need for the European market and contract out everything else. So uh, I think we can be highly profitable and, and really in a different range, a very broad range of different products from this platform. Got it. You know, I'll ask a, this is one question like in knowing Volition for years and especially watching when, when you know, you launched the new QR, basically your, your, your technology for the vet market. And now this big deal just coming out, we're, by the way, we're recording this on uh, Thursday, April 14th. So this deal just happened. But now that you've seen this deal come through, has that conversation even happened where you're like, hey, guys, you know, look, we understand from, you know, just a societal perspective of, hey, we want to, you know, obviously we want to, we feel that our technology is breakthrough. It can help, you know, on the human side. But from a business perspective, do we just go all in on vet and just, you know, all this got us to here? But here we go. We're now we are now commercial stage. We're finally commercial stage on this side. Like, do we just push our chips all in here and just maybe let you know, maybe come back to it at some point? Like, I'm curious. I'm curious if that conversation has happened in that boardroom and, and being a fly on the wall there. <laughs> yeah. Look, we obviously think about strategy a lot, and and that's a big part of what uh, as chief executive should be doing. Um, I think um, just a quick story. I guess that's something I've sure. really liked. The difference between a leader and a manager. Um, actually, my my, uh, my uncle, who was, who was a priest, just recently passed. It told me, and, and uh, it's perfect. He said a manager's job, if you're building a railway, for example, in the old days through a jungle or a forest or whatever, is to make sure everyone gets paid, the tracks are laid on properly, and you know people get paid, and tigers, lions, or bears, whatever, get shot. You know, and everyone. But he said it's often uh, it's a leader's role to climb up a tree and think, oh, we're going the wrong way, we're building in the wrong direction. You know. Um, and you've got to have a lot of both. You've got to have all the processes to build the railway, but you've also got to make sure you're going in the right direction. But I think what our strategy has always been has been to provide the platform. So um, we we are going all in so far as we have a vet team which does nothing but vet. And um, you know, so what what the team in Belgium developing the platform, and, and it actually it, it all helps each other. So in the vet side, we're developing a point of care, uh, and Hesk is doing some, and so are we for different things. Um, that can be used in the human space. When we develop a platform like HIA in the human space, which is a machine in every hospital, that can be used in the vet space. So by providing the platform and the basics, um, we can really do all those things at the same time. And then I think it really helps each, I mean, it was all developed for the human space and using vet, but now the vet's starting to help us in the human space. So the way I would see it is, you know, we've got the vet deal, um, it was negotiated by the vet team, um, it's produced in Belgium and uh, we'll have some uh, the new American team. But all the basic work we're doing on the platform can be used in the vet space, but just as easily in the human space. So I'd actually, it's a tool that can be used in so many different areas. So we have, I think you'd have to say we've gone all in in the vet space. We've got one deal and a massive deal. I think we've got some other ones closely following it up. They won't be exclusive, I don't think. So they won't be the upfronts, but having the biggest vet companies in the world selling your products is, is huge. I mean, they have hundreds and hundreds of salespeople. So we're going all in on that with the vet team and we're, we're making an anatosis team and a cancer team to go all in in those areas. But we don't need a large team. I mean, I mean, the vet team may you know, be a dozen people at the moment or less, including everything everything going on. 
And that's negotiated this deal is launching the products because we don't need all the sales team. I mean, going all in could mean trying to sell it yourself, trying to you know run labs. It's not the business we're in, and we don't need to do that. So we're always going to be you know small teams of people who can launch in different areas. And in the Natosis area, that could easily be with one of the big international companies. Acceptance is obviously so huge. So no, I, I think we we will be doing other things, and I think we can do that very easily with the team we have. And I think um, the rising tide or the research in everything really helps. Because people said also, why don't you just sell off? Why don't you spin off that good idea? We certainly thought about it, and that may happen in the future. But at the moment, it's a great symbiotic relationship. We're helping each other develop this fantastic platform even better. Because we're very mindful too. We have a great platform. It's launched. It's fantastic. But what we're making sure we can do is also launch the next generation and the next generation, which is where the NUQ Capture program comes in, NUQ Discover, because there's always going to be a lot of other things which, you know, uh, you don't want to be dead in the water with, with a platform while other people are developing new and exciting things and kind of, so, and, but again, they're kind of different groups. So there's the vet team, product team, there's the high tech development team, some in Belgium, some in California, there's the production team down the road. So we're trying to sort of section out the different groups to make sure it works as a unit, but they're all doing their own thing. Got it. Yeah. No, no, yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. But so just to quickly wrap on, on the human side of things, because I think everyone at this point, like I don't, at least to me, it's pretty clear. We get it. Here's the vet opportunity. We're going we are going all in, you know, we're, we're, it sounds like there's some, some things in the pipe. Um, but on the human trials side of things, now that, you know, we're kind of getting closer to endemic stage here for COVID. Cause that's, that was a huge, um, uh, you know, just stopped everything, of course, you know, back, back, back in 2020, not so much anymore, which is, you know, we're, we're happy about. Um, but, uh, where are we at on, on human the human trial side of things? You know, has that started back up, and and where are we at in terms of regulatory and and approvals, all that stuff? Yeah, so a mixed answer. So basically, the the human side in cancer with our platform, so human side on everything put together, Natosis, which I mentioned briefly, I won't go too much into depth, but Nets are your body's primary defense mechanism which if it happens too much, you probably all heard um, cytokine storms and, and all those kind of things, which, which are produced. You basically drown uh, and clog up your lungs with the, the, the nets, and we can measure them perfectly. So I think we've identified this could be an absolute blockbuster product we can launch right away. Um, human cancer is fantastic, um, but it does take a long regulatory process. We'll be announcing soon what uh, we've just taken on uh, regulatory affairs specialists in the U.S., um, who came from, um, works in Austin, California, came straight from Grail, which is one of the big companies. And um, we'll be announcing what our strategy is for Natosis in the US. We're expecting C marks on the product uh, this summer. So we'll, um, now, it won't get the revenues for next year. You launch it and it takes time you know, to go through the process. But uh, if you look at our website and Natosis, I think it's going to be absolute blockbuster for a whole lot of reasons and something which will be taken by every one of us a lot of times uh, regularly. Because if your nets are building up, um, it's it's very bad news from one of a few things you really don't want. And sepsis kills you, like COVID, because it creeps up and kills you when you don't quite sure. You know, you can you think you're fine and you're not, and we can measure that very quickly and easily. On the human cancer side, uh, we've kind of been tracking on a bit in Asia, as you've probably seen. Uh, Taiwan has been collecting the lung and colorectal. We had some very good data from them. Uh, we're working with the Chinese, but obviously they're still a bit uh, busy with COVID at the moment. You've probably seen in the news. 
Um, and the human trials, we're working now, what, uh, what's the process we have? The blood cancer ones were, were also paused during the pandemic, or not paused, but slowed down tremendously. But we used the time to shift from microtider plates and frozen samples to fresh and um, the machine, so it can be very high throughput. So that's all ongoing, and we'll have a lot of updates on that. Um, and with the new Q capture program, it's actually really working extremely well, which is kind of the next generation uh, beyond our very simple platform, which has the promise of being very accurate um, and still a, an awful lot cheaper than everybody else. So we're just in the process of now working through what, what, what can we still use on the old platform? And it's obviously worked incredibly well on, on the, 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 uh, the blood cancers in dogs, blood cancers in humans. It's working uh, in lung and colorectal, but could we skip that generation and go to something really, really, really cutting edge? So we're in the process of working out that now. Um, but in the meantime, the, the platform as it is does mitosis extremely well. The blood cancers and cancers we detect in dogs extremely, extremely well. So we're just trying to work through the rest of this year. While we launch the vet, as you said, that's the focus, the vet and mitosis. Um, we'll work through that, but um, so we'll probably have a, a much more coherent, uh, complete strategy on, on how, how that looks. Are we going with the current platform? Are we going to update it for all the things we now can do, which is really exciting. Um, and we'll start that process, I guess, on the, the next earnings call and have it through the rest of the year. But the big news in the short term will be very much on the, the uh, animal cancer um, and uh, the nitosis. Very good. So on the, you know, I've, I have a capital allocation question for you because, you know, healthcare diagnosis companies constantly going back, having to raise capital, do another test, right? So, you know, but you, Volition's in, an, especially right now, now with the Heska deal and some other things, it sounds like that are in the pipe. It's almost like it's been slightly de-risked in a sense. So by having this vet line, does it open up the possibilities now where you basically can self-fund some of these trials and get some of these things faster to market and not have to continue to go, you know, go back to the bank and say, all right, we need this to, you know, get us here and, and whatnot. I'd love to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously we've had to raise money to, you know, <laughs> developing a platform. I think you'd have to say a couple of things. Um, we've done it extremely uh, cost-effectively. Um, you know, uh, we're a couple of million a month now. If you look at some of the big companies, they can lose a couple of hundred million a quarter, and they've launched products you know, many years ago. So um, it, it's it's all in process. So what what this has done? Yes. So that has now become a, a very big profit center for us. Obviously, ten million upfront. There's eighteen million more in milestones in the sort of short to medium term this year and next, um, which go a long way to, to getting our burn rate. Um, and then, then the revenue should start really kicking in next year from all the sales, because obviously we're not, we didn't sell it for 28 million. That just gives them the right to sell on our behalf exclusively. And um, you know, if in, in the lab market, ten dollars a test and potentially many tens of millions of tests a year. I mean, it's uh, it's very profitable and it makes a lot of money. <coughs> Everyone says, you know, that's like any political question, can you guarantee you never raise any money ever again? I mean, you know, I, I think we've got some big inflection points. I think one thing we are lacking still is some very good institutional investors um, with, because we are doing something different and we, our market cap has been quite you know, small. Um, so I think there's a possibility in the next year or two, we will do a raise. I think we'd really not want to do it until there's been some very big inflection points and without some very good institutional uh, investors and funds. But as you said, it's, it's really changed. Now um, we are making a, a 
a very significant percentage of our burn rate in um, in, in revenue and uh, the learning from our tests. So it has completely changed the picture. Absolutely. So you mentioned some of these inflection points. So, I mean, what, in your opinion, what what are some of these inflection points that if realized that will lead to the growth in shareholder value in, in your estimation? Yeah, and it's always tough, you know. I, 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 we announced a big deal, the shares haven't gone in the last couple of weeks, but that's, you know, the market is just that way at the moment. Um, you know, I, I would strongly expect we will have more vet deals and with large companies, um, company or companies, so that's a huge validation again, and, and they'll take a few quarters to get going. But again, that's some serious revenue with a, a very good margin coming through. Um, so, and we're, we're moving into other animals, <clears throat> starting with cats, other products like monitoring of treatment for these cancers, potentially also many millions of tests per year. Um, all of that I expect, you know, in the next, uh, end of this year through next year. Um, the toasters, I, I don't think the market really understands it at all, which is understandable because it's a whole different thing that we're doing. Again, same platform, very little extra development time or effort, but potentially absolute blockbuster. Um, and it's ready to be launched, um, you know, through this year and through next year. So expect a lot on that. Um, of course, I didn't mention it, but we are doing some quite uh, innovative things with our platform, which have strong potential, I think, now to be quite either uh, enabling for other companies in, in the sort of expensive end of the range in the, in the liquid biopsy market or completely transformative uh, and disruptive. So, I, you know, maybe this year, maybe early next year, I'd expect some information coming out on that too, and it potentially could be very transformative for us and the industry as well. So when you add into VET, all of the toaster stuff, and then, and then uh, you know, of course, all of the human cancers that we, uh, I think, really have great products on as well. So we've got a fantastic package. And again, that sort of burn rate, which is really amazing alone for all the things we're doing, because it's a platform, and the platform can be used in so many different ways. Got it. Hey, real quick on the mitosis. I, we've talked about this, and I haven't asked just a direct question on, on that. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some folks out there that probably want to understand. Because, I mean, literally on your website, there's a whole page just on what is mitosis here. And it shows you the whole video. But um, what is the potential for this product, it, let's say, in your estimation, from what you can tell us in three to four years? You know, the total control market, if, pardon me, if you just take it as someone, uh, when you enter hospital, you get tested. When you leave hospital, you get tested. If you're in intensive care, you get tested you know, every day or a few times a day, you're looking at tens of billions of dollars per year in total addressable market. Now, we're not going to get all of that. That's total addressable. That's for, We have the only really good product, but you know, uh, I mean, it's just huge. Everything we do, we add up all the different aspects, all the different pillars of what we do um, on, I think, quite reasonable assumptions. You're looking at $70 billion a year in total addressable market. Now, we don't even get a fraction of that, and only a fraction of that will come in, but it's, it's huge. We're in absolute elephant country. So um, the tosis, if you add up every time you go to a hospital, every time you go to the doctor's office, you probably want to get tested as well. Because if you have a high level of these in your system, um, you know, and, and, it's, and it starts to tick up, you can be in serious, serious trouble in a very short amount of time. So, um, and because our test can be very low cost, can be run in any lab, I, I cannot see how, unless we're missing something, which... I don't think we are. I can't see why it's not going to be given to uh, everyone in the hospital pretty much every day. Um, so I can imagine how much that's worth worldwide. And that's something which can be afforded worldwide because, again, um, the cost of goods is very low. We want to keep it low cost, democratic, out there for everybody. 
Um, you know, you're talking just an absolute blockbuster product, millions and millions. Did take a comparison, CRP, C-reactive proteins and inflammation marker. I think certainly for anatosis, we can do an awful lot better. Anatosis is a massive, massive problem. Um, you know, 80, 100 million tests per year. And if you multiply that by what we're getting now, it's just eye-watering how, how, how big this could all be. And, and we're talking, you know, a, a couple of years, not 20 years to get to where we uh, could be really, really uh, dominating a lot of different markets. Because epigenetics is a really big part of a lot of different things which are very important to us. And we've developed a platform, we have a team, we're a listed company, we've kept our nose clean, uh, we've got a, quite a solid stock, uh, you know, we haven't, we've never done any silly fundraisers, there's not, you know, all those problems. So I think we're really set for success. Absolutely. All right. And um, my, my, what, just a real quick, this, this is probably a quick answer here. And because only a couple more questions, but yep. on the Natosa side, I think you mentioned near-term CE mark. And then in the US, does that require FDA approval? Yes, yes, it does. So okay. we've, we've just hired a team to work through the US strategy, working with our current team. Um, in the short term, we'll outline what the, the timeline will look like, um, how quickly we can get it done and what that will mean. I'd expect that in the next few months. And uh, so Europe and the US will have uh, uh, the first ability to sell the products in Europe this year. And it'll probably be a two year process, but I'll go through that in the US. Gotcha. Um, okay, cool. All right. Yes, FDA approval 100%. Got it. What we're going to go for. Got it. All right. You know, again, we I've seen you guys present 10 plus years now, right? Um, feel like I've grown up in the business and uh, I'll, I was like, oh, good. I can see where I'm at in terms of my own uh, understanding of the markets and companies because, oh, Volition's at every event that I'm, I'm probably at right now. But, but, Still to this day, I mean, what 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 do you feel that investors maybe still misunderstand or or aren't totally clear about when when they think about volition? In your opinion, well, you've hit the nail on the head a few times. You know, we are people from from. I mean, we have some extremely smart scientists who are really good at what they do, but you know, we have come from a bit from left field. We're spread around the world, which made perfect sense because we didn't have a lot of money. If this facility in Cambridge or Cambridge, in England or would be, we paid just over a million euros for this, would cost that a year at least or more. So we've done it a bit differently. Um, we've swum in our own lane. And as you said, there's always that thing in everyone's mind, why are not the big guys? Why are they all focused on you know things which are not working? I mean, and, and we can say that now. We just, they're probably not gonna work and they're really not working. So, but you know, and, and uh, we haven't met a lot of our timelines, which I understand. You know, we don't. It's very tough to know how long an epigenetic platform takes to develop. Um, you make estimations, and things you know have to be reiterated. But we, uh, but we want to basically, we want to make sure we didn't launch product until we we're really ready, and uh, we really are ready now. So uh, it, it's taken longer than we thought, which um, obviously goes to uh, then some, some people start to, to jump to sort of doubt or the whole thing. Uh, the whole thing real, but now you can see some very big people, including Haska. I absolutely think it's real. They put some um, very large real money down. So I, I think you know, but it doesn't. I, I don't think you can be too worried about it. it. It is what it is. We we've done something very different. We've gone our own way. I think we we are very close to really making it. So it is what it is. But I think it's it's understandable. Um, we were doing something quite different, and we're not the people you'd expect to be doing it in, in <laughs> those big companies. So. Um, I understand. I understand. I get. I, I yeah. No, for sure. 
And I'm going to ask one more devil's advocate type of question here. I ask this to every company that I have on the show, you know, but, you know, for, for you, what, what would you say are, are the potential downside risks for Volition, in your opinion? Um, I think with a small company, it's always running out of money. And, and that could have happened a few times, certainly. Um, I think when you are a company doing something different, as I said, a few steps forward, one back, one sideways, a few more forward, the teams can fall apart because, you know, it's, you, you want it done quicker and you want things to move. And our team has stuck together incredibly well. Um, it's, it's, we've grown a lot, but we've kept uh, the core people there. Um, so <clears throat> I think failure typically is either running out of money or the team. Um, so that was my primary concern all the way through. Um, because I, I don't think there's any doubt what we're doing um, is now, uh, now works. It will work and will work in a range of areas. So, um, and, but I think, as you said, you've got to keep your eye on a lot of things and make sure you're making the big decisions right because that's really what's going to make the company succeed or fail. And uh, we've made some big decisions over the, over the years. I just, you know, you never... Um, it's actually my dad's, one of his favourite sayings, if, if you're not making any mistakes, you're not making enough decisions. So you are going to make mistakes and, and sometimes you just got to live with it um, and, and, and fess up to it. You know, I think just briefly about five years ago, four years ago, we went to launch with Denmark and, and look, the platform wasn't what, yeah, for reasons which actually I, I, I can go through and, and actually worked out very well for us, but we had to put our hand up and say, it's not, it's not there. That's when we bought this facility and, and, and hired a lot of very good people to get it really working well. And those kind of events can be, can be very, very bad for an organization. We, we stuck with it. We stuck together as a team and we got it done. But uh, it could easily have gone the other way if, if we all uh, started infighting or run out of money. So yeah. um, now I think it's just making sure we're making some new big decisions. Um, California, the lab there, the capture side, moving to VET and Natosis. I think you have to say it's working now, but I mean, <laughs> uh, it was also another very big decision. But um, yeah, I think we're getting there. Absolutely. All right. It's my last question. I promise. Um, <laughs> so, it, well, actually, okay, fine. All right, fine. You, you left it open for this. So I got two more questions. Then. Um, and this one I'm asking to to every company as well. But, you know, how how, how much, if at all, have, have shareholders influenced your decision-making process, if, if at all? Um, I think, well... Good question. I've never thought of this. You know, there are quite a few shareholders, some of which we know together, uh, who I do have a lot of time for and I listen to. Um, sometimes you just get, you know, things things change and things haven't happened in time. You get quite angry, aggressive kind of people, which, you know, do I like? No. Can I handle it? Yeah. But do I listen to them? Not really. I mean, you know, and I can't really, you know, they ask you questions you can't answer. You get angry when you don't answer them because you can't answer them because it's obviously material, non-public information. So, you know, but I think it's very important as chief executive. I'm available to people all the time. I, the most important to pick up time to pick up the phone is when you really don't want to because, you know, something hasn't happened or, you know, I think it's, it's, it's very easy to do victory laps when everything's rosy, but it's, 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 I think you're judged when you pick up the phone and you really don't want to talk to someone because something's not the way it should be. Um, we had one quite aggressive activist shareholder, I think you probably know a few years ago, uh, and basically said to me, Things which I thought were really not good, and he said basically, if you don't do this, then I'll do what he did. And I said, fine. That's if we lose, we lose. But you do the right thing, you do the right thing. So um, I think, like anything, um, people whose opinion I value because they know things I 100% listen to and do what it is. But um, so that's one of my again, I have a lot of favourite sayings, but 
don't be worried. Don't follow the opinion of someone whose opinion you wouldn't seek <laughs> um, because they're not, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but, you know. Um, no, I get that. That makes you know, sense. I, I get criticized a lot. And fair enough. You know, and, and if I can't take criticism, I shouldn't be worried what I'm doing. It's, it's fine. But um, so you've got to have reasonably thick skin, but you can't be too thick skin not to listen. So again, it's another, it's another it's, it's a contradiction somehow, but you've got to stay open to listening, but not be buffeted. You know, um, you know, like a sailing ship, you've got to have a course and stick to it. If you sort of come around any wave and change around, you can kind of get lost. But so yes and no is a short answer. <laughs> Got it. All right. So let's, so to close this out here today, and I, again, I, another question I asked everybody here is my yeah. last question is, I mean, do you enjoy being a public company CEO? You know, I, and I asked that candidly just because, I, you know, it can really suck sometimes, you know, and uh, so I, I'd love, love to hear your opinion there. Yeah, I think as I say, it's the very worst of, best of days, the very worst of days. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes, no, sometimes, absolutely. Um, but I think, this sounds kind of dubious, you just can't, failure cannot be an option. You can't think, no, I'm not going to do this. You know, some days you love it. I love the people I work with. I love what we're doing. Uh, I think, you know, uh, I would like to do something special in, in the world and do something really meaningful. Um, but, um, you know, sometimes it's not pleasant. But, you know, uh, I, I'm not for one day once if I thought about quitting because ultimately um, once quitting is an option, you, you shouldn't be CEO because you, you are going to quit. Because there's going to be days when it just hasn't gone the way you wanted and you get, you know. Um, so, yeah, overall, I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. Um, but, yeah, there are sometimes, <laughs> some days you're not as happy as others. And, and, and I think to be a really good CEO, you've got to do a lot of work. Um, you've got to put in, it's, 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 it's a grind. I mean, it's, you've got to work mm-hmm. your way up. You've got to, um, you know, when we got listed, I must have seen 60 different banks before someone up here because we were very small. Um, so, yeah, I do like it. But, yeah, some days, some months, <laughs> places. But that's, that's life. I mean, there's, there's, there's not, there's nothing. Uh, the old saying goes, "It's not yours until you pay for it." <laughs> so uh, I think it, 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 any, all this stuff definitely makes you stronger, and, and I'm very happy and glad I've I had this experience. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, Cameron, where can our audience go and find more information on Volition? So our website is uh, volition.com. V l v o l i t i o n dot com. Um, there's some great videos on there. Um, we talk about the science. We go through the process. Awesome myself. As you say, we've, we've been to a few conferences. We like to do investor forums. Uh, and uh, Scott, our head of investor relations, is, is quite a few as well. Um, you'll see me at some bigger ones and um, throughout the year and JP Morgan and things like that. Um, but I guess the website's the best way to get information on us or to come to one of the conferences where we're at or, or listening with people like yourself. It's, I think, also very helpful. Very cool. All right, well, Cameron, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next update sometime soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank Thank you, everyone. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party product services or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast.